All Things Black with Garland and Calvin present Fanboys. Fanboys is a weekly breakdown of the sports world from a fan's perspective. Now, here are your hosts, Garland and Calvin. All Things Black with Garland and Calvin. Fanboys. <laughs> we are back. We are back. We are back. What were we are? Two weeks, Garland. And, 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 and no fault of yeah. But you know, I. I did a little vacation. I do a little vacation with the family and planned on coming back and rocking it again. But, you know, one of my souvenirs I brought back was COVID. So that kind of stepped me down. And, Welcome to the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's been avoiding it all this time. Yeah, and then it finally world. caught up to me. But I'm back. I'm stronger than ever. But I got my guy Garland over here. How you doing, Garland? How man, feeling doing? great, man. I'm glad that you in better health, man. I was uh, reading something, I guess, maybe several months ago that, you know, right now, half the world or maybe three quarters of the world has had COVID at some point in time over the last two years. And so, everyone, if you ain't got it yet, it's, it's going to find you COVID <laughs> at the front door knocking. I know you ain't trying to go answer the door, but you you going to see it. You're going to see it. And so, um, you know, just thank God that, you know, people are not uh, dying from it. If you've been vaxxed and you've been uh, boosted, you know, it's pretty much kind of like a severe cold or flu but you know nonetheless it is an inconvenience but i'm glad that you're good i'm glad that the wife is good the streets have been calling we back like jordan in the four or five they ready <laughs> well i'm glad we are I, i'm sorry i was just i'm a statistic again look at that black male Right. COVID. Yeah, I'm just a full statistic now, you know. I mean? But whatever. We're all good now. But yeah, glad we're back, you know. And it also gave sports a chance to, you know, build back up, you know, even though uh the, we had hockey finals, we've had basketball finals. The only thing going on right now was soccer, baseball, and right. was a whole lot of cricket and rugby going on. I, I hit Garland while right. I was going. He's like, I've seen nothing but cricket and rugby. <laughs> you want to talk about David Baptiste or Juan Alonzo uh, O'Reilly? We can get some cricket going on. But other than that, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Man, that's all right. The, the news has been waiting for us. It's been populating. So, yeah, we, we you know, at first I was kind of like, yeah, we're going to miss out on some good stuff. But then, again, the world kept on turning. So it's still here hey. waiting for us. <laughs> well, let's get it popping. Let's get it popping. And so we're going to start off with the NBA. You know that over the last week it was uh, leading up to NBA free agency uh, 2022. And uh, there was a lot of buzz going around about what was going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Was Kyrie Irving going to? Opt back into his agreement, or uh, he was he trying to wiggle his way out of New Jersey to get with another team? And uh, also, there's questions about James Harden, and then you have a couple other big uh, players who were up for extensions or max deals, and so it was this all playing out kind of crazy. Well, guess what? We did get to finally get to Thursday, and we got to free agency, and the whole world blew up thanks to the New Jersey Nets. And so we did see Kyrie Irving opt back in to his contract. So he opted into $36.5 million on June the 27th. But then on the first day of free agency, his teammate, Kevin Durant, decided he notified the management and said, I want to be traded. We know that that was a group deal for both of them to be on that team. And so now you have a team that's basically blown up because 
Although uh, Kyrie opted in, it's been reported by Brian Winhurst of ESPN that Durant and Irvin still want to play together, but just not in Brooklyn. And so we're going to see what happens with that. Uh, Nikolo uh, Djokovic, he signed a max deal for $264 million with the uh, Denver Nuggets. Uh, you had uh, Devin Booker. He signed a four-year $224 million super max extension. John Morant, he signed one as well, worth an estimate $226 million. We had our boy Bradley Beal. He re-signed with the Rizzers uh, on a five-year max deal, $251 million. Now, James Harden with the Sixers, he declined his option, but he's trying to work out a, another deal. He's uh, planning on going back to the Sixers. And Rudy Gobert was traded from the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now let's go back up to KD and Kyrie. That's pretty much the biggest news in terms of free agency. Now, uh, KD, he submitted a, allegedly submitted a list of teams and two of the teams that are on his list uh, were Phoenix. And I'm trying to think the other team, they're good. Oh my God. Uh, Miami. Phoenix and Miami. Miami. Okay. And so the big problem is, is that, because uh, Ben Simmons is on the team and Ben Simmons signed a rookie extension, you can't have two players on a team with rookie extensions. And so whatever trade they make, they also got to trade Ben Simmons as well to get back a Hall of Players. And so when I think about this, Calvin, we talk about this uh, player empowerment and players being in control. And I'm all for it, and we both were for it. As a matter of fact, we talked about this kind of like earlier in the playoff season when the uh, Nets lost, and we were talking about would they re-up with Kyrie. And we're basically saying they had to do something because um, Kyrie and Durant are a uh, package deal. But to me now, it seems like you you can have player empowerment, but you can't turn your team over to the players because the players are going to blow up your team. Uh, and so what do you think about this and what do you think about uh, what this does to Kyrie and KD's legacy? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that because, um, and like you said, we've talked about this before and I'm really adamant in all sports that I'm all for players getting all the money that they can. However, Adam Silver has given us the best of both worlds in the NBA, because although I am all for players getting all the money that they can, I'm also all for teams staying together and looking the same at least two and three years because what we seem to have every year in all sports are these teams and these stars shifting and looking different. Adam Silver has made it so I'm going to give you all these all this money and these rookie extensions, these max contracts, these super max contracts. So you don't have to opt into your fifth year, but you're going to do like a Bradley Bale did and opt out just so you can get this super max extension. But it forces you to stay with that team for five years. And I absolutely love that. And I totally agree with it. And just like you said, yeah, give the players the power to make all the money that they can, but don't turn your team over to the players because the fan side of you, now you want your team to stay together. You know, you don't want your team to, Uh, win a championship or make these good runs, and then the next year they're just broken up. 
you know, all the pieces are gone. There's always going to be some sort of turnover. But you want to try to keep that core together. Um, if you look at like the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics traded a whole lot of players away to get, um, oh man, uh, Brogdon from yeah. um, Indiana. Right. But they kept their core together. They right. kept smart together. They kept smart with Brown, with Tatum. <clears throat> they right. kept them all together, which is a great for the Celtics. You know, it's great for the fans. You can watch the ancillary pieces go. You can watch them go. It's not It's not a big deal. Um, when we talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, this, I, I mean, LeBron started it, but this the way that it's set up now is in um, – is in response to what Kevin Durant and LeBron James have done, which is make these super teams wherever they want to go. You know, I want to go here, so I'm going to bring this one, this one, and this one. So this is in response to that. So Kevin Durant is now <clears throat> seemingly going to be a victim of his own doing. So he wants to be traded, but yeah, bro, you might have to stick it out in New Jersey for a little while now because make no mistake, New Jersey is under no obligation to right. trade Kevin Durant. Right. They can look for a partner, but if they're not getting the haul that they want, they're under no obligation to do it. None whatsoever. Yeah, and he, I agree yeah, with that. He doesn't have a, a, a no trade clause, so they can send him wherever they want to send him uh, as long as the haul coming back. You know, exactly. I, I get concerned about this because I think this generation of the super team player, they're, they're, they're easy to quit. If it don't go well within the first two years, they're ready to move on. And exactly. I, I think that's bad for the franchises. I, I think Daryl Morey was saying something. The GM for the Sixers was saying something about this earlier this season. He had a beef with Clutch Sports and with Rich Paul. That's, you know, the cover for LeBron's uh, sports agency. And that these players are really ruining franchises by doing this major movement and they want to be the GMs as well. You know, think about the great players like Jordan, Magic, Larry. I'm sure the management came to them, but they did not run the management of those teams. They were not selecting players. They were not, well, Magic did get rid of the uh, coach, <laughs> uh, Paul Westhead, <laughs> but they were not necessarily you know, having a major say in the decision-making, you know, you had management that really was building up the teams around them. And that seemed to work well. But we're turning over running teams to guys that really, like KD, his championship only came with being with a super team with the uh, with the Warriors. Uh, Kyrie, if there's no LeBron there in Cleveland, he never sniffs a championship. And and so, you know, um, they fired the head coach. They brought in Steve Nash, who didn't have any head coaching experience. They got rid of the young core. They brought in James Harden. James Harden got pissed because Kyrie wouldn't go and get uh, vaccinated. You know, Dr. Sebi Jr., as uh, Kyrie is known as, he refused to get back, <laughs> but he can only play uh, road games. And in the last two seasons, he hasn't even played a full amount of full season games. And so... Uh, it, it's really, I think this, we can just say this was a disaster from day one, that this marriage just never worked. And so uh, I think these teams, they, they, they need to watch this and caution of turning their teams over to these uh, players, because if it doesn't work out in that first two years, those players are just going to start revolting. They, they're going to jump and go. 
Exactly. And you, you'll never get, and you, you mentioned like the Magic and the Jordans, you'll never get those rivalries, those Celtics-Lakers rivalries, right. those Pistons-Bulls rivalries, you know, those rivalries that went on for years and years. If you remember in watching the Jordan documentary, they were talking about how the Celtics, I mean, how the Pistons owned Michael Jordan. And then when that shift came, you know, but you, you won't have those stories anymore. You don't get those stories anymore because the these players are just leaving, except in Golden State. Golden State has managed to yeah. keep that core. Now, did they bring Kevin Durant in and they did win the championship to, uh, largely on the back of Kevin Durant? Like, we're not going to deny did. that. No, we can't deny um, yeah, we, we definitely can't deny that. However, they have proven prior to that they had won a championship and they were actually going for being the best team ever. They had the best regular season record, but they could mm-hmm. not hold LeBron off down up 3-1. They couldn't hold them off. But LeBron came and won his title, but didn't win after that. Golden State right. has won after they left after Kevin Durant left. So, <clears throat> I mean, except with the exception of Golden State, we haven't seen teams like that. I think the Celtics are trying to build that, but they don't have any rings with them, you know. So, with the exception of Golden State, we're just not seeing that anymore, and it, it's it's a shame. We could have saw that in Miami when LeBron and three were there, but then LeBron wanted to leave there. Just right, just right. ridiculous. Now, uh, before we close out on basketball, let me ask you about one signing that's close to home: the Bradley Beal signing. He gets two hundred and fifty-one million dollars, five-year max extension. Do you think this is a good signing for the Wizards? It's absolutely it's an amazing signing for the Wizards because um, the Wizards are a team where you would not expect a superstar to want to stay. And Bradley Bill has become not just a star, but he is a superstar. Um, now, for Bradley Bill, it's loyalty, but it's also getting that super max money. No need to walk right. away from that. You've earned that money in Washington like you've literally earned that money. But what it also does for the Wizards let's say next year does not work out for the Wizards. And if you remember last year, uh, somewhere in the first, second quarter of the season, I'll say the Wizards were actually making a little run and not looking too bad. Um, But let's say none of that happens and none of that works out. The Wizards are in a position where they can trade a Bradley Bill and get an amazing haul back for Bradley Bill. And any team will take that deal because he's locked in for, if you include next season, he's locked in for another four and a half years. I mean, it's a great signing for both franchise, for both the player and the team, for the player and the franchise. I mean, it's, I think it's a great signing and I'm a Bradley Bill fan. I've always been a Bill fan. Um, I was a Bill fan a little more than I was a John Wall fan. I didn't dislike John Wall, but I thought he was a, little too a little overrated for me um he was he was good yeah I'm not gonna act like he wasn't a great player he was actually a great player in Washington but I think he started being a little overrated and Bradley Bill was kind of the glue um in there in there in their little duo there um but yeah great signing for DC great signing for Bradley Bill yeah you know I saw Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, say this the other day on ESPN that, you know, you have some players who do they, you know, you question, do they want to win or do they just want the money? And there's nothing wrong with wanting the money. Uh, 
you know, to me, Bradley Beal is not going to sniff the playoffs uh, or any playoff runs with that roster. It's all about money for, for him. To, to me, that's what that signing said. Yeah, you can't turn away $251 million. You are not going to probably get that on the open market. And so, yeah, that's why. He- that he earned now that's that, yeah that, i'm that. saying he earned it he earned it and, and rightly so he's been the the leader of that team but that team is just mired in mediocrity i mean it's not going anywhere and even the way they got persingas uh they got kuzma they just got a uh, will barton who's a, a baltimore native they got they got just got some players there and that's all they have is just players and you got Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill is going to go get you 25. He can go get you 30. But outside of that, that team doesn't doesn't put fear in your heart. That team is not registering in terms of a major Eastern Conference team. And so to me, he's just cashing checks, which is fine. I got nothing wrong with cashing checks. But I, I, I think at some point, do you have to say, man, I, I want to get a ship. I want to get a ring. And do you put yourself in a position to get that? But I think he did. That's what I'm saying. I think he has put himself in that position. You know, when you when you sign, and that's long-term in today's NBA, when you right. sign long-term for that max money, it, it actually makes it a lot easier for you to be traded to another team. And most teams, when you're loyal, when, you, when we see players that are loyal to teams, most teams recognize that this guy wants to win a ring. He's done all he can do here. And they usually try to help him out. Um, you know, we've seen that constantly over the years in all sports. They try to help him out. And I think they will. You know, there may be a contender next year that could use the services of a Bradley Bill. You know, and if so, hey, you just you see what the hall they can offer and you get that in. You know, you get those young players in. You never know. You know, he, shit, he might wind up in Boston somewhere uh, next season. You never know. I think they trade him out west, if anything. They probably right. trade at least. They trade him out west. Okay. But you just never know. You just never know. Now, talking about uh, mediocrity, let's talk about the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mediocrity. Uh, this is we got to give the Baltimore Orioles props. We got to give them their props because they just had their first winning month since 2007, 17, excuse me. Uh, although they got, um, just you know, they just lost two. Well, they just had a 10 game road trip and they they split that five five. They, they probably should have won at least. Uh, they possibly could have won all three in Minnesota, but they lost uh, two of those games in the last inning. Uh, they went uh, 14 and 12 uh, for the month of June. Uh, and this is their first winning calendar month since they went 17 and 12 in August of 2017. And so uh, the Orioles, uh, they're, they're doing what the Orioles do. They're playing competitive. And I know Calvin's get ready and load on me. I'm okay with them. As I said at the beginning, when we talked about the Orioles at the beginning of our podcast, I just want them to be competitive. I want to see them get in the 70, the 75 win range. They have to do better than they've done in the last couple seasons. They have to show some improvement and that they're building into a winning franchise. They're 35 and 44 with today's win, or excuse me, they're 36 and 44 with today's win. Uh, They're still in last place in the American League East. 
American League East is very top heavy. You got the Yankees who are 58 and 20, 21. But the uh, Orioles, in terms of across the league, they they would be in a second uh, team playoff hunt. They would be in a wild card playoff hunt if we spread it out. And so uh, they're playing well. The pitching has come together. The hitting is starting to come together. Uh, Santander, he has 15 home runs. He leads the team. Uh, Austin Hayes is having a great season so far. He's hit, uh, knocked in 45 runs. And Trey Mancini is leading the team in batting average of uh, 279. Now, with all of this winning, oh, well, you know, they're kind of winning and then they're kind of losing. We have the uh, Major League trade deadline, which is coming up in another month or so. And, you know, should a team like the Orioles be buyers or sellers? And if they're sellers, what players are, you, in your estimation, would be touchable? What players would be available or tradable if you were looking at this roster the, the way that it's currently constructed? So if if you're selling, first of all, kudos to my Orioles. Um, yeah. You know, I've been I've been pulling for them, and also they are only they won today, so they are only one and two for the month. However, that one and two, the opposing score is eight, and the home the home score is eight. They're yeah. eight and eight, eight runs score, eight runs given up because they lost the first two by one. And they won today by two. So yeah. kudos to my old. They, they, they're, they're playing well. They're playing they're, well. They're, they're making a turn. I mean, for um, a last place team, they're making a turn. They are. <laughs> now, if you <clears throat> excuse me, if you uh, are if you are a seller, um, you pretty much are gonna have to have everyone available um to mm-hmm. sell. But I actually think I don't necessarily think they should be buyers. I think the Orioles should just kind of remain stagnant unless unless there is a deal that's going to completely blow them out of the water. I mean, the prospects have to be amazing pitching prospects. Um, But, you know, when people are looking for deals, they're kind of just dumping off maybe mediocre to average prospects just to get certain players um, from the team. So I don't think they should be either. Um, If anyone is going to be on the block, it would have to be Mancini. That's the only person, even though he's a fan favorite, he's the only person I could see right now that they could part ways with um, and get some things back for that probably wouldn't really upset the team as much. Um, you definitely can't give up Cedric. You can't give up Austin Hayes. Um, you, you know, it's just that they're just, I don't know, they're playing, they're playing well, and you don't want to disturb that. Um, the pitching, although the pitching is not bad, the pitching is still on a string. You know what I mean? Like right. you, you really don't want to mess it up, mess with it, because you never know what's going to happen. It could turn at any moment. So I think they should just remain how they are unless they get something that they just cannot refuse. And with the way that they've been scouting prospects, I don't, I don't trust their judgment at all, to be very honest with you. So. Okay. I think they should just kind of remain where they are. You you think they should be buying or selling? I think they should be selling. Um, I you know I still think they're at least two years away from seriously competing. I want, like I said, I want them to be competitive. I want them to start building up to that. I I think Mancini to me is you know definitely someone that could get you a haul of some young prospects. Um, I know they're playing uh, Ruth Nor. Uh, uh, Odor, they're playing him enough. Uh, 
uh, to try to, you know, maybe some team would want him. And then again, you might not get anything from him. He might be a late season release and somebody would pick him up off the waiver line. But I think really the only asset you have is uh, Mancini. And, you know, if you get a nice haul, if, you, if, if a team is hot and they think they need that extra bat uh, going into September to go against the Dodgers or to go against the Yankees, um, you know, Mancini is very um, attractive. He's definitely very attractive. And so, you know, if that, you know, say like if they are still in last place come late July, closer to the trading deadline, but Mancini's hot, I, you know, I think you go ahead and you make that trade. I mean, I don't think this is a team that's going to compete this year. And he's your best asset to get something that's a good haul. Yeah, that's what it, it see. Now, the issue with Mancini is, um, it would have to be a team that's looking for something immediate that yes. Mancini can provide. Yeah. And they're not going to give up a whole lot for it, but we would see. But yeah, that's, again, that's the only thing I could see, only player I could see. Mm. Say like that you have uh, in your middle of your lineup, your, your slugger goes down and you need a hot bat and Mer- right. Mancini's right. swinging well then he's attractive. Then, you know, I think he's worth something to some team that's facing someone that, you know, if you're trying to battle the Astros or, you, you know, the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Braves, these are high-powered offensive teams, and you need another bat, Mancini is attractive. Now, see, the, the, I, it would be – I think it would be tough for him in the National League only mm-hmm. because if you throw him in the National League, he would have to play a position. Um, he would have to True. he would have to go to first base and a lot of most of these teams that I could think of that are in contention first base is locked down you know what I mean you you would have to take a player off the field to put Mancini on the field so I you know I don't know I, I don't know I don't know I mean he's not a liability in the field but you know it, at that point you're looking at him like a um, a guy to relieve your your first baseman you know you're you're just relieving your first baseman and is he actually worth giving up prospects for that so that's it's kind of tough but again he is the only one that i could see that wouldn't disrupt the chemistry of the team well you know this and it's crazy because we're both american league uh children you know the, the national league does have dh now it does Yes. I thought they were just trying it out. <laughs> no, no, no. They 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 expanded this year. Let me find out. I haven't kept up with baseball. <laughs> yeah, and as a matter of fact, because as you said, I was like, you know what? Um, I haven't kept up I, with. I, I wanted League to check baseball. on it, and yeah. I was like, let me just check and make sure, because you know that was part of the new CBA. I thought I I literally thought it was coming next year because I know they were like in the minor leagues. They're doing the um the pitch clock. Which they, I thought they were coming. I think it's coming in 2025 or 2026, something like that. I don't know. So, so yeah, so the DH is in the National League. And so, yeah, you know, Mancini will be anywhere. See you later, Mancini. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) All right. Now, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little football. And here in Baltimore, we had some uh, tragedy that helped and happened to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
last week, uh, we had the death of Baltimore Ravens outside linebacker uh, Jalen Sack Daddy Ferguson. Uh, he died of uh, the combined effects of fentanyl and cocaine that was found in his uh, system by medical examiners on Friday. Um, his death, uh, a spokesman for the Maryland Department of Health, uh, said that Ferguson's death on June 21st was ruled an accident. And he was 26 years old, had three young children, and he was supposed to get married on July the 9th to his fiance. And so uh, thoughts and prayers with his family and uh, his uh, friends and all. This is definitely a tragedy. And also on top of that, you had the death, uh, unexpected, uh, any death is unexpected, I guess, of uh, Tony Saragusa. Uh, Tony Saragusa played for the Ravens for several years. Uh, he was part of their first Super Bowl team, played defensive tackle, uh, was one of those guys that kept uh, Lyman off of uh, Ray Lewis in some of the early part of his glory days and uh, went on to become a broadcaster. Uh, I believe he was on Fox. Uh, yeah, I believe he was on Fox's in terms of the field reporter. Uh, also, he was in a Spike Lee movie, which I, I did not remember until I saw Spike Lee tweet about Tony Saragusa. He was in the 25th Hour, uh, one of my favorite Spike Lee movies uh, with Ed Norton. And so uh, Tony Saragusa passed away, uh, died in his sleep uh, last week as well. As a matter of fact, that same day that sack daddy passed away. And so what are your thoughts about uh, Ferguson when you first heard? Well, were you on your were you out of town on your trip when you when this news came down on the 21st? I, I was. We were actually docked. So I did get a chance to um, get the news come across the phone. So I did mm -hmm. see it um, when it happened. Um, yeah, man. So, it, again, it's always a sad situation when anyone passes. Um, it's an even sadder situation when young people pass. Actually, let me let me jump um, talk about Goose first. Goose larger than life personality here in Baltimore. Baltimore legend um, yes. helped win the Super Bowl. Helped Baltimore win the Super Bowl was not just a role player, but as you said, helped keep the blockers off of Ray Lewis next to Sam Adams. Um, they they did their thing. So. You know, it's definitely rest well for Goose. Um, definitely going to be missing. He's always funny, always a card, even as a sideline reporter. Um, so definitely going to be missed. Um, 55 is a young, young age to yeah. to go. So um, now Jalen Ferguson, um, you, you're the first person and the only person I've ever heard him called. I heard him called Sack Daddy. I've never Sack heard Daddy. that. Yeah, that was his uh, nickname in college, Sack Daddy. Because he never set heard the NCAA <laughs> record for uh, sacks uh, for a career. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's so crazy um, when you hear that he died, and of course the news come came out that he died, and he died in the city. And then, of course, everyone's right. like, well, "Was he killed? Was you know, did thinking foul play or whatever?" Um, when the news actually came out, which was recently, I think it was Friday that it came mm -hmm. out about the uh, cocaine and the fentanyl. Um, of course, people are, "Oh, what a dumb thing!" You know, this and that. And the man was twenty four years old, and it's been said so many times, but it's worth repeating. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Like, come on, like, come on. Like, when you are young, and, it, and it's all of us, when we're young, we feel invincible. Um, we take these calculated risks. How many of us have been out driving 
buzz to drunk when you're young. You think, you know, nothing can harm you. Um, Len Bice is a great example of that. Um, you know, it's such a sad situation. This young man, and you add pro athlete to this with the world at his fingertips, with money for days, it's such a sad situation. And you can do nothing but feel bad for them. And you hope it just hits someone else to say, hey, let me not do this. Because he's not the first. He won't be the last. He's definitely not the only athlete or young person uh, testing cocaine and fentanyl. He's definitely not. We know this. Um, so I think it's such such a sad situation. Um, he's just beginning his life, let alone his career. Um I just feel I, I feel bad for everyone involved. Um, the people that I don't feel bad for, it, shockingly, maybe to some, are us Ravens fans. I don't feel bad for that because life is much bigger than football and sports. Um, the only we're losing a player, but this man lost his life. His fiance lost her future husband. Um, family lost a son, a brother, a cousin. So I just feel bad. It's just such a terrible situation. Um, and again, you just hope that it it hits someone and make them think twice um, about taking these risks and doing things that they know could harm them for life. Definitely. You know, uh, when the news first came out and they said the, the first one, it was reported, it did not report where he was in the city. So initially, you know, the first thought was, oh, my God, did he get shot? Because uh, Baltimore exactly. has been experiencing high rates of homicide in the city. Uh, but then when they said it was no signs of trauma and then they mentioned the neighborhood that he was in, I was like, oh, OK, unless he was going to the McDonald's that's right next to the street where his body was found. And he said, I, I just like that McDonald's in the hood. I'm not going to the McDonald's and Owens Mills. I kind of pretty much was like, yeah, more than likely it was drug related. And this is not going to turn out good. And it, it it turned out to be that way. You never know what people are going through. I, I wonder, was this a one time shot or was this something that maybe he had been dealing with with for a while? Because I'm I'm curious of if it was something for a while. A lot of times players can be in the treatment program and you don't know about it publicly until they fail maybe the third or fourth test and then, you know, they get suspended. And so was this something that he had been dealing with for a minute and he had been in the program and uh, they knew about it? Or, you know, was this just a one-time thing? He just decided to go down to the hoodie hood and to get high. And so, um, yeah, it's a dangerous thing out here, um, what's going on. Um, and the, the, the chances that you take with anything nowadays, it's just, it's, it's just so rough. You know, um, I hope that he had his papers in order. I thought, I hope that, you know, his fiance was in a will or he had some, uh, papers to spell out what he wanted to, uh, have done, uh, for his children. I mean, he was just a mid-level player, so he wasn't necessarily swimming in money like Aaron Donald or something, but, he had enough money to have uh, a generational wealth change for his family, at least immediate family. And so I, I hope that at least that they're going to walk away with something uh, to be able to go forward on. And if not, you know, it's always a cautionary tale. I was just reading something the other day about Chadwick Boseman uh, for as a yeah. popular actor Chadwick Boseman was in doing all these roles. He did not have a will. 
when he passed. And so when you don't have a will, you leave your things up to the state to decide what happens with your assets. You don't have, you know, they become a probate and they decide where your money goes. And so um, that's a, also a, a, a thing to us as well. If you don't have your papers in order, get your papers in order. Make sure your family's covered. Make sure those that you want to, loved ones that you want to take care of with uh, the assets that you have, that it goes to them and it doesn't have to go to the state. And so, um, yeah, and Saragusa, fun guy. I mean, we wouldn't get to the Super Bowl if he did not pile drive his body onto Rich Gannon. And On Rich top Gannon, of Rich Gannon. Yeah, and Rich Gannon hated him. Rich Gannon, I don't, you know, I think maybe once or twice uh, they did a broadcast where both of them were working the game. And, yeah, Rich Gannon was not a fan of Tony Saragusa. And when Tony Saragusa took that belly flop on Gannon, and knocked him out, man. It was like Super Bowl. And so, yeah, man, you know, uh, Goose, Goose, Goose was something else. Goose was something else. And so, yeah, that's my fondest memory of Goose making that big belly flop on Gannon and uh, just that, that basically propelled us to our first Super Bowl win as a city. Yeah. Now, uh, the NFL, you know, not only is uh, Jay-Z the only black person that they're dealing with in the NFL? But hey, they just teamed up with Ice Cube for Economic Equity Initiative for Black-Owned Businesses. And so the league announced Thursday that it's partnering with Contract with Black American Institute, an economic inclusion initiative led by artist and entrepreneur O'Shea Jackson, better known as Ice Cube. And this is going to uh, work on increasing economic equity and partnerships with Black-owned businesses. And so the partnership with Ice Cube is going to focus on identifying league-wide opportunities in the financial, tech, and production sectors with a concentration on increasing direct and indirect spending to national Black businesses to help close America's racial and economic wealth gap. And so what do you think about that, Calvin? The NFL is teaming up with Ice Cube to do this. Ice Cube is finally getting some love for his contract with Black America. If you remember when uh, Trump was running, you know, he was mad at Kamala Harris and uh, Biden because he said they would not meet with him. And he was swinging his support to Trump, or at least he was meeting with Trump's uh, son-in-law about the contract uh, with Black America and listening to him. And so now he's finally got this thing going on with the NFL. Any thoughts about Q or O'Shea? Unpopular opinion. Um, I put O'Shea, Ice Cube, Jackson in the category that I put Ray Lewis you're great at your profession, but when it comes to anything else, I really don't want to hear it. You don't like the three on three? I do like the three on three. Let me let me back up on that. I do like I actually enjoy the three on three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let me let me stop. Let me say when okay. it comes to anything politics related, I'm sure, gonna, sure. Okay, all right, I'm, that's, that's I'm, better. I'm gonna let Ice Cube um let him just go off and I'm not mm-hmm. gonna comment on him. I'm just not a fan. Um, but let me talk about the NFL. Let's talk about the NFL and their partnership with now Ice Cube, and even their partnership with Jay-Z. So the issue I have with the NFL, and yeah, we finally admitted, we being Roger Goodell, we finally admitted that we were wrong about Colin Kaepernick, and uh, yeah, I get all that. The The issue with the NFL has nothing to do with Roger Goodell. It has nothing to do with any of the initiatives that they put forth. It has everything to do with the owners. The owners make the decisions in the NFL. 
Roger Goodell, as much as people want to hate him and this and that, he's pretty much just uh, kind of a figurehead for the owners. Um, he does say speak out against some of their wishes and all, but, you know, he's the commissioner, so he can do that. But when it actually comes to decisions, he's not really the guy that makes those decisions. Um, until the ownership starts looking more like the, and I'm not even going to say the field, until the ownership starts looking more like the United States of America in diversity, um, we're going to have to continue to make these initiatives with them when it comes to minorities and women, um, because nothing's going to really change. These owners have to change. And we got Khan from Jacksonville, but that's the only minority owner we have. Well, now we have a, a minority minority owner in Denver, um, George right. Lucas's wife, right. um, black mm -hmm. woman is a minority owner Melanie, of the Broncos. So, mm -hmm. so good for her. Um, but yeah, nothing's going to change. And, and with, so whenever they come out with initiatives and things, I just, I just brush it off. I, it, it, nothing's ever going to change in the NFL until the ownership looks different. Um, I mentioned Jay-Z, and the only reason I mentioned Jay-Z is because they gave him a lot of money to make all of these changes. And the only right. thing I've ever seen was a fire-ass halftime show, which I will give that last halftime show was pretty fire. It was. It was a good-ass halftime show, but it that's was. the only thing I've ever seen. I've only. never seen anything else I've that they've seen anything done. Else. Yeah, never seen anything else that they've done. So okay, thank you. Because uh, I've been called a hater, like man, stop hating on Jay Z, especially in the barbershop. <coughs> man, Jay, he doing stuff behind all Jay Z. He's an expensive uh, party planner. That's basically exactly. what he's doing for the <laughs> exactly. NFL. You know what this uh, agreement sounds like with Ice Cube definitely has more teeth. It has definitely more uh, focus in terms of this economic equity. Uh, focusing on these different things, financial and tech and production sectors, those particular things. I'm not quite sure what Jay-Z's partnership is besides money. You know, uh, as uh, I heard uh, one comedian call him J.C. Penny, uh, that's all Jay-Z is about the dollars. <laughs> and so, you know, Jay, if it's involving Jay, it's about money. And so, yeah, Jay got a he, he got a piece. He's getting his piece. He's putting on these fire halftime shows. I'm looking forward to see who they come up with this season for the halftime show. Anytime you have 50 Cent hanging upside down. Uh, I, I, I didn't even know it was 50 Cent. I thought it was Fat Terrio from the Ooh Terrio <laughs> videos. At first, I was like, is that 50? Ooh, was kill him. Yeah, ooh, kill him. Ooh, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's that? Is that Terrio? Then, oh, I was like, no, that's 50. And so, yeah, so uh, I like it. Uh, I'm glad that we're seeing something happen. You know, um, I'm not quite sure of, of Cube's politics, but uh, I will say that, you know, Cube is, I don't know if we give him enough credit in terms of he's kind of almost like a Tyler Perry in the sense of in this entertainment piece, he's had, uh, a movie franchise with uh, Are We There Yet? He turned that into a TV show. Uh, he's done some major production. Uh, those movies that he's done with Kevin Hart, that's coming through his stuff. Uh, you know, the NWA movie. And so, you know, he's in the three-on-three -three league. So he's definitely branched out in terms of being a businessman and creating opportunities. And so um, he I, has, but yeah. he also tried to get us to hold our vote. 
Um, yeah, and we, less. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that that that's yeah. something right there. That's I'm gonna save that uh, for my come on. And so yeah, let's yeah. Like I said, his politic. Eh, I like to see that you know he's creating opportunities uh, for African Americans and other minorities to get access into something that uh, maybe we just don't have the door open for us. And uh, thank you, Ice Cube. And so um, before we leave the uh, NFL. Not that we care a lot about the commanders, but a lot of stuff has been going on with your boy, Dan Snyder. And as uh, he uh, this past week, uh, the House Oversight Committee uh, wanted to meet with Dan Snyder to talk about some of the things that's been happening in the Washington. Uh, I heard someone call them the command skins, uh, the commanders uh, <laughs> organization. And uh, Daniel, he's turned them down a couple times. He said he does not want to come and testify. And they send uh, Roger Goodell out there and Goodell sound real stupid. And so there are a lot of things going on in the commander's workplace. There's a toxic workplace uh, culture where uh, women were being exploited and putting in, put in a, positions where they were uh, being um, used as sexual objects. Uh, pretty much, that's pretty much uh, easy to say. Uh, there was a story that uh, Daniel Snyder was uh, mad with uh, one of the owners of the Washington Nationals. And the owner of the Washington Nationals has a suite at the uh, FedEx field. And so he instructed someone to go in and pour milk on the carpet and let it sour. And so the sweet could have a sour smell to it. Now that's, if you don't know what petty is, <laughs> that's petty. That's, that's, that's the, that's the epitome of pettiness. You're, you are a billionaire, but you mad at another billionaire because he got you on a deal. So you decide to pour sour milk into his suite to pay him back. That's that's real petty. Also, there have been some financial improprieties that have come about about the team and how they uh, allege that uh, Snyder's uh, lowering of ticket sales would line his pockets and, you know, how they keep on keeping these uh, separate financial records. Uh, it sounds like a black church where you have two sets of books. And so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now Snyder, he must have a trustee. <laughs> Deacon. <laughs> No. Deacon, what Amen. are you doing, sir? Amen. <laughs> Sound like Daniel Snyder got uh, somebody from a Cornerstone Baptist Church, one of his books, one of the trustees, because you got the books you show the church and the books at the pastors. That's what it sounds like is going on with the commanders. And so, man, any any thoughts about uh, Daniel and what he's what's going on with him and uh, his team? And I, I mean, we didn't even get into the mediocrity of the team. You got a coach who believes that uh, Black Lives Matter people were tearing up the country oh, and these gosh. January 6th people <laughs> were okay. And then they had the violations uh, for the uh, mini camps where they were fined also $100,000 as well for that uh, because they were having live hitting when they're not supposed to. So th they just got a lot of problems. Um, so I don't care about the commanders at yeah, all. However, I I actually do think um, they're they're not the Eagles are the most popular to win their NFC East division, followed by the Cowboys, and it's going to be a toss up between the Giants and the Redskins. I actually the, the Redskins, I'm sorry, the Commanders. I actually think the Commanders are going to play really well this season. Um, their defense fell off last season. I actually think they're going to do well. I think they're going to contend for the division title. Mark my word on it. 
watch and see. I actually think they're going to contend. Uh, they got Carson Wentz, who's a flat-out bum, but I think he has enough in him to for them to contend. So watch out for that. Now, when it comes to Dan Snyder, the owners have to get rid of other owners. None of the owners are bad enough to get rid of Dan Snyder because all the owners line their pockets. And when you have a corrupt owner and an owner that pretty much controls everything, that means that somehow or some way he's been getting money for the other owners. Dan Snyder is not going to go anywhere until the owners just get fed up with him. He literally is going to have to do something that they absolutely cannot mask over a la the Texans owner and the Panthers owner, something that they cannot mask over for them to get rid of him until then. He's not going anywhere. The owners are trash. NFL owners are trash. I agree with you. They're trash. I mean, and and that's basically it. They're they're not going to get rid of him. He's going to stay there. They're going to weather that storm unless, you know, uh, some pictures come out with him with, uh, God forbid, little children or something like that. Exactly. You know, Dan, yeah, Daniel Snyder. Even then, I'm not even quite sure. Because, I mean, hey, my man um, Bob Kraft was getting happy endings. And, you know, they... Literally. And it's yeah. on video. It's and on he video. found yeah. a way to keep the video out right. of the court. <laughs> well, that's what court. That's what you, that's, that's the evidence. That's what you call money. That's what you call capitalism. <laughs> you, you hire the best lawyers and they suppress everything. And so, you know, uh, that's what happens, man. And so we'll, we'll see what happens with the command skins and uh, what happens with their fortune, you know, and uh, what happens with that team. Uh, hopefully not the best because we run. Uh, I'm mean, going to say the DMV because we went into uh, that uh, the last podcast. We're not in the DMV. Baltimore is his own state. Yeah, okay. run the same, but they yeah, are going to do well this year. Yeah, I'm, they, they, I'm they'll do. Just right. mark my word, they're going to do okay. well this year. Okay. Now, speaking of uh, bombshells, not only that big bombshell about Daniel Snyder, but we saw a bigger bombshell in college football. USC and UCLA are moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, starting in the 2024 season. And so uh, they were notified Thursday night that their application to join the Big Ten had been accepted. Uh, The Big Ten said in a statement that the vote was unanimous when conference presidents and chancellors met on the addition of the two schools last week. And the vote signifies the deep respect and welcoming culture our entire conference has for the University of Southern California under the leadership of President Carol Folt and the University of California, Los Angeles, under the leadership of Chancellor Gene Block, said Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, who's a brother. And so uh, we're going to see uh, USC, UCLA, basically two linchpins of what was the Pac-10 that became the Pac-12 leaving. And to me, this is signaling the birth of super conferences. Um, I don't know if this is being really pushed also by NIL and make make NIL deals for players easier because we, I think basically we're about to see the death of the NCAA and we're going to see these colleges break off and start their own super conferences and basically handle their own football money while having a pass through. They don't want a middleman anymore. The NCAA is a middleman and they'd rather play by their own game. And so uh, what do you think about this move of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten? And what do you think about this idea of the eventual formation of super conferences? So so I've been trying to count up um, because they they continue to call it the Big Ten, 
Um, I think this makes 16 teams or does it yeah. make 14? It makes 16. haven't been to Big Ten for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what are they right. going to do? Um, so I'm all for anything that's going to disrupt the NCAA. Let's let, let me just get that out of the way right then and there. I think the NCAA is a conglomerate that has it's racial overtones with them, the way they've treated their players and their teams. Um, but a lot of their rules are so archaic and unfair mm-hmm. that it's absolutely ridiculous. So anything that's going to disrupt the NCAA, I'm all for. Um, and and now when it comes to these and UCLA and USC are big names that are dropping their conference and going to another conference. Um, I can remember when they let Miami in the ACC and that was a huge deal. Um, I remember when the Big East basically just disintegrated because all the teams were leaving. Um, I wish these conferences would, you know, they, they make these great declarations. We would love to have them there. It's going to expand our uh, play and this and that. Just say what it is, bro. Just mm-hmm. say it. We getting that money. Right. We getting that money. Getting and that's money. what it is. They getting that money. Now, <clears throat> I have no problem with it. I have no problems with teams moving conferences. I just wanted to get to the point where our HBCUs are able to jump into Division I conferences. I believe there was a an HBCU that recently tried to – well, you know, we got a couple of HBCUs that are in the Big South. Uh, Hampton University is in the Big South. As a matter of fact, okay, they just moved okay. to another conference. I forget what conference. We're not in the Big South, but North Carolina A&T also moved up to the Big South as well. And so, then maybe that's what it was. Or maybe they were trying to move from, from the Big South to one of the major. I, I can't remember. There was something that happened. But it didn't get approved. So any whatever it is, I just want it to be an even playing field for all teams that are even even in the playing field. Like you know, I don't want a Morgan State to jump in an ACC because they're not ready for anything like that. But if you if your team Mm -hmm. is able to, I want it to be able to. You know what I mean? Um, I want them to go. So I have I have no issue with it. Super conferences. If you can, if you can break away from the NCAA and create your own title and still get your revenue and still get your players, by all means, do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, the only thing that I don't want any of this to hurt is being recruited by professional teams. Now, I don't know if the NCAA has some sort of lock on that, which I'm sure they don't, because players are going from high school and some of the well in football they have to be what um three years or 21 or something like that they can't they can't do it so maybe the ncaa does have a lock on that um but yeah i just don't want to have a lock on players being able to jump professionally you know other than that it's fine with me i'm not a big college uh football baseball more of a college basketball fan but you know i don't I don't have a problem with it at all. Do what you do. And for for the Big Ten, it just makes my my Maryland Terps have to recruit even harder, yeah. you know, because now, now you got to go out west. You got to go I mean, out west and play. You got to do it now. Right. Ain't no ain't no just going out there for some little Hawaii tournament or something. You, you got to go. You got to see UCLA and USC now. Right. You got to see them. I mean, they, they suck since they've been in the Big Ten. Now they're going to – 
Big Ten now they're gonna suck more. I'm talking about the Turks. Well, not the women, not the women. Not and the actually, women. No, I'm talking let's about, not. Let's talk let's about the sports that, that about the, the sports that matter. No, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Brenda <laughs> Freeze. Brenda Freeze. Brenda Freeze is the second greatest Brenda coach Maryland has ever she just, had. She just lost all those players. That means that she's she she lost to Lexi Brown. She lost yeah. to Destiny Slocum, and yeah. they were top tier players. Yeah. She still came back and did a thing. I'm, Brenda Freeze right. will be fine, right. but no, don't don't do that to the Terps. Don't do that to the Terps because okay. the Terps have not been that bad in the Big Ten. Right. They have not mm. been that bad. They they, with the exception of last season, they've made the tournament most of the years that they've been in. They've always been in contention for the conference tournament. I mean, uh, the Terps haven't well, been the Terps. The Terps have not been that bad. They, I would say they, this: maybe they didn't play up to mm. our expectations, but they have not been the doormat mm. of the Big Ten. I would say this: basketball wise, basketball. I'm talking basketball. Yeah, I'm basketball sorry. wise, they've done better, men and women. Basketball. That's what I'm yes. talking basketball. But football. Okay, yeah, football. The well, major I'm sorry, I didn't general? know. Yeah, yeah, football? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right. Football. They've and, been horrible. Uh, <laughs> Hampton <laughs> was in the Big South. They just uh, transferred over to the Colonial Athletic Association, so they're now in the CAA. And okay. they'll be starting to play there, I believe, uh, this coming season. And so um, I think what we're eventually going to see, Calvin, is just the Big Ten and the uh, SEC, because if the SEC is able to get <laughs> Clemson, Miami and uh, maybe one other Southern team out of the ACC. I think that's the end of the ACC because football wise, the ACC outside of Clemson, it's, it's a pretty weak conference. I mean, and you would want maybe Duke for the basketball or Notre Dame or whatever. And so I, I think, you know, the next big move is what happens with the SEC. Do they go and they snatch a couple more teams and if they able to snatch a couple of big ACC teams, I, I think we're going to see these just maybe two or three big conferences and they'll just fight it out and they'll have their own championship game. And we'll see these uh, these uh, teams like Maryland as four and five playing in the weed eater bowl against uh, <laughs> another four and five team. And so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And so, yeah, major, major news and uh, major shift that's going on with college sports. Now we've come yeah, to I don't, a, I don't yeah, care about ahead. college sports. I don't care. About <laughs> <laughs> don't say that on a sports talk show. <laughs> we care about all sports. Don't say that. <laughs> well, let me. I'm we sorry. haven't talked let about me. hockey, so <laughs> we can yeah. say we don't care about hockey. <laughs> Which, by the way, hockey is uh, hockey's pretty interesting. I actually heard something that they do uh, called the eBug. You didn't hear about that? I heard the eBug no. podcast. And eBug is so. Um, you know, in every sport, there's always going to be a backup. For hockey, they each team has two goalies. If mm -hmm. both goalies go down, they have an e-bug. An e-bug is a person that they have in the stands oh, wow. that has to come into the game, that has to dress for the games. That's and of crazy. course, the, I think I've seen course, that the, on ESPN once. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And they yeah. ask, well, why don't you just use a professional player? So a goalie their skill set is so much different than a normal hockey player that it could cause injury that could hurt that hockey player for the his whole career. So what uh -huh. they do, I mean, you have to have some hockey experience, like maybe college or something. But, yeah, they hire – they get a few people every year, 
and they bring them to the game. Um, it's free for them to come to the game, and most of the time they don't have to play, but they recently had one that had to play. Um, it's wow. crazy, right? It's crazy. That's it's crazy. You, That's crazy. you in the game. Wow. They at this point, are, hey, hey, <clears throat> come on down. Put that, put that Coke Basically. Zero down. <laughs> they give you a call when that when that second when that second goalie goes down right. for the team. You're the you're the guy. You're the you're the emergency guy. That's what they call it. Emergency backup goalie. Ebug. Calvin Coates, please report to the ice. Calvin Coates. <laughs> you probably got a hamburger in your mouth and everything. Right. You probably like, ain't this a bitch? And then put, you gotta put that put that put those mozzarella on. sticks down. Please report to. <laughs> ice <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> all right man we're gonna go ahead and close with uh the part of the show that everyone loves come on yo and so i can leave this off in the come on yo uh this week and um unless you've been buried under a rock over the last week um you know that we just had something major happen in this country it was the overturning of roe versus wade and roe versus wade uh gave women the right to abortion, to choose abortion. And so uh, this overturning by the Supreme Court, which overturned and made several major legal decisions in this Supreme Court session that are gonna have broad ranging impact, uh, not only with women's reductive rights, but with the environment, uh, with the, uh, who has the ability to carry concealed weapons, all of those different things. The Supreme Court is very radical to the right. And um, the Republicans really played the long game. They knew that uh, the Supreme Court uh, seats were going to be coming up. They were able to successfully block Barack Obama from uh, uh, filling one of the seats uh, during his last term as president. And that gave a man like Donald Trump three open um, seats that he was able to fill and those seats have definitely changed the direction of the court. And so, you know, Roe versus Wade overturning this decision uh, affects tens of millions of women, uh, over half the women uh, of reproductive age in the U.S. They can be affected by this. Uh, low income women, young women and black women will be uh, disproportionately in, impacted by these bans because uh, it's taking away the federal product, uh, protections and sending it back to the local states. And there are several states that have already been moving to put, uh, to ban abortion on its books. And so, um, you know, we're just at a major point and this goes back to Ice Cube. And so let me tell you how I'm gonna bring this all back to Ice Cube. In uh, the last presidential election, Ice Cube was encouraging people to not vote because he felt that we should hold out to get our voice heard. We, we, we have an agenda and they're not listening to our agenda, Democrat or Republican, and we should hold out our vote until they do. And there was some merit in that, I understand. And um, I can't say that the Democrats have necessarily done a great job of addressing our concerns, but they always want the African-American vote for them. But I think now more than ever, at least voting on the local level holds so much weight because a lot of these laws that are being overturned are going to be sent back to the states to make a decision on. They're already going to make a decision in the next Supreme Court session about who determines who wins an election. 
There was a, a statute that was passed somewhere in North Carolina where they wanted to dispute that they they could set a different set of electors and not give the votes to who the people voted for. They can make the decision personally who the votes for the state should go to, who uh, the electoral votes should go to. And this is what Donald Trump was trying to do last year. And so we're on the verge of possibly seeing how locally these elections will be changed because people just want to ignore the facts and give it to whoever they want to give it to. So on July 19th, we have primaries here in Maryland and there's primaries going on across the country as well. I just want to encourage people, get out and vote, especially on the local level. It means more than you know, because we're going to start seeing a lot of these things come back to the local level. And we want to make sure that we have the right people on the local level that are supporting the laws that we want to see. So come on, yo. Let's just throw out this whole notion of, oh, we, we need to withhold our vote. Oh, you, you're choosing the lesser two evils. No, you're not. Your vote means that maybe someone who needs an abortion that just physically can't carry a full term embryo to birth can have that right instead of having to bleed out and die or that your vote is counted and respected and not just taken and given to someone that you did not vote for. And so it's important. Voting means something. Yeah, man. Um, and we've been promising the political podcast and we definitely have to get this definitely. out. Um, one of the things that um, we're privileged in Maryland is that um, Maryland has always been a state and even prior to um, Roe versus Wade being um, before it was overturned, being accepted 50 years ago. Prior to that, Maryland has always been a state where abortion has been legal. Um, so a lot of times here in Maryland, we don't really think about it or, you know, it doesn't, you think it doesn't affect us because, you know, in our state, if someone needs an abortion, they can go to get an abortion. There's always going to be protests outside of abortion clinics anywhere, but mm -hmm. um, our state has not and does not have any plans to overturn that. Um, what it affects mostly are these states where they've had these, and I forgot what the word is for them, but as soon as the federal government overturned it, it automatically jumped to the state level, um, making it illegal in their states. There were some states that it was automatic. As soon as it happened, there was no vote, there was no discussion, it just automatically happened. Texas was one of those states. Um, so, but you're talking, um, it's a lot of these states that will be affected that are landlocked states that are in the Midwest where in order for you to get an abortion, you have to travel over four or 5,000 miles just to go to a state where it's legal. Um, a lot of people can't afford to do things like that. Um, you have a lot of companies coming out that are gonna pay for travel expenses. And I forgot there's a company in particular that um, came out and said, um, it's a fast food company. I can't remember who it is or a restaurant. Um, oh. They're gonna pay, what'd you say? I said, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're going to pay for any of any of their employees. They're going to cover some or all of the costs for them to go to another state, um, travel costs, whatever it takes for them to go to another state if they need an abortion.
portion. Um, I think it's a restaurant. When I find out what it is, I'll, I'll come back and let you know. But um, so we have to be aware of how this affects us. You know, um, a lot of people think once it's legal, Roe versus Wade been overturned, it's legal everywhere. That's not how it works. It's depending on your state. Now, another thing that happened with Donald Trump and what he has done, um, one of the reasons like having the vote is so important. One of the things he did was put a lot of federal judges in place. And these are lifetime appointments, just like the Supreme Court. He put over 100 federal judges in place. So what will happen now is, let's say a state is battling over abortion rights and it they start suing because that's what Republicans do. They start suing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been accepted. We're going to sue to get this overturned, get this overturned. And it keeps going up. Every state has a state Supreme Court. That's where the federal judges sit. And these federal judges have been appointed by Donald Trump. So what's going to happen? It's going to fall back on them and then they're going to they're going to make it illegal in your state. So, again, voting is of the utmost importance. You know, local votes are important, but these national votes are important also because we're going to start seeing the effects of that Donald Trump era for decades to come. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to get into more of that. We're going to have to do a political podcast. Um, I touched on my come on, yo, a little earlier when we were talking about sack daddy ferguson Mm -hmm. Um, i'm going to start using sack daddy now um you know when and i talked about it but let me bring it up again um when we were young we all felt invincible we all felt like we could do no wrong there was nothing that could happen to us you know i'm so tired of seeing people in my generation (laughs) older and even people that maybe have gone through some things judging our young people as if We've never made these mistakes. You know, this mistake was costly and detrimental to him. Um, it was costly and detrimental to Lem Bias. These are mistakes that you make as a young person. Um, and instead of us chastising these people or talking bad about them, what we need to do is we need to start banding together and reaching out making these lessons, saying, hey, look at what's happening here. Look at what's happening there. Um, you know, it's... Drunk driving, I mentioned. Um, drugs, I mentioned. Look, unprotected sex. You know, you can die from these things or you can have life effects that will affect you and other people for a lifetime. Right. So let's stop judging. Let's start embracing our young men and women um, because we have even older people that are still out here living recklessly. Let's start embracing everyone. You know, like, come on, y'all. Stop, stop acting like you ain't do that. You know, I know plenty of people that were doing drugs uh, when they were his age and they had no money to fall back on. You know, they couldn't right. afford it. I know plenty of people that were doing it, but you live to tell about it. You know what I mean? You live to have these great stories because how many times have you been somewhere and you heard, yo, I used to get hot in the mud, yo. <laughs> right, 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 I right. used to get hot. You know what I mean? So right. stop, stop judging these young people when they make mistakes because that's what growing up and being an adult is, making mistakes and learning from your mistakes. Some mistakes you can't come back from. Some of these risks you take, you can't come back from. But those that do come back from it, let's educate. Let's try to embrace and love. Teach your own. You know, hopefully the message gets out. You're not going to stop everything, but let's stop judging people like we've never done things reckless, um, put our lives at risk. I've done plenty. I've never done drugs, thankfully, but. I have been out drunk driving, you know, mm-hmm. driving while buzz. You know, mm-hmm. when you're young, you just think you're reckless and can do it, you know. Right. So I wouldn't make those choices now, but 
I'm 50 years old now. You know what I mean? I shouldn't be making mm-hmm. those choices now. But so come on, yo. Let's let's start embracing Amen. our young people, our young adults, and loving them and stop judging them. Therefore, but the grace of God, my friend, some of these things that we've done have taken out other people, but we're still here. And so I agree with you every step of the way. And so, yeah, let's let's stop judging, start embracing, start encouraging and, um, you know, start living more transparent lives so people can have an understanding of, you know, the chances and things that they take. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, man. We we got through it, man. Hey, listen, yeah. listen. Let me. I, I want to appreciate you and everybody for listening to my sniffling and my coughing <laughs> and the clearing of my throat. Right, you know, all right. Yeah, the code. I try not to give you too much because you st- it was still trying to hold on to your vocal cords, but man, you're like, still hey, trying hey, to hold hey, on, man. Still let trying me talk to talk a little on. bit more. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. I, I had a couple slip ups here and there, but for the most part, it was good. So glad I'm in full health. But yeah, man, this was a great show. Again, you know, great, great things you were bringing up and plenty of great points that were made. And so, yeah, I appreciate you for holding it down and keeping these topics, you know, fresh. Uh, even though I was all about the cricket and everything, watching right. Brazil against Jamaica, you know what I mean? Right. You know, with the wickets. Right. <laughs> but yeah, man. And I believe we will be back on Tuesday with our broadcast. We have two episodes to catch up on on P-Valley. And we're starting the shot. So we'll actually have four episodes we'll be trying to get in within an hour or so. We'll see how, you know, how that lasts. But we definitely want you all to join us. This right here, All Things Black with Garland and Calvin, (laughs) presents Fanboys. And as you hear this music come in, We definitely want to thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you all later this week and we will see you, well, we will see you later this week and talk to you later on the podcast. You have been listening to Fanboys. Peace, bro. And all things Black with Garland and Calvin Productions. Thank you for listening and make sure to rate and review this episode on all of your podcast platforms.